it's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. I'm Sailor, and I'm caught in a mosh. Hey there. Did you get pulled out of the mosh? Just wondering if you're okay. Those mosh get pits can be dangerous. I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> well for the listeners that might be new to this show we do typically compare two albums from one artist against each other we discuss argue very unprofessionally debate the merits and in the end only one album or artist will reign supreme and tonight thank you lord it's an actual typical episode what do you know ed (laughs) boom That's right, Jake. And tonight, we are going to be discussing one of the original (coughs) big four of thrash metal, Anthrax. And we will be battling the album's fistful of metal against Among the Living and also factor in the album The Art of White Noise. Was it The Art of... Sound of... Sound of... of That threw me out. White Noise. (laughs) It's not Land of the Living either, just so you know. <laughs> okay, wipe my nose. Wipe my wipe my nose. Did you say wipe my nose? That was the best thing. Ever. Anyway, forget about my nose. I'm just curious to see out which one will come out on top. That's gonna get us a one star. Uh, but I'm <laughs> great. Somebody's gonna be a dick. White nose. <laughs> Oh, white lines. <laughs> if you have if you have a white nose, then uh, you might be an '80s music fan. <laughs> oh my! Very true. Oh, what? How does George Takei say it? Oh my! Well, fuck me, Adam. Curious too about which album's gonna come out on top. That's quite a proposition. Yeah. Wow, we're really getting into it. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't clip that. Just let it go. have some drinks. Yes, first. put that. Yes, put that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and of course we always have a whiskey segment on the show, and tonight that will be up to Sailor, and this is going to be yeah. a very very special whiskey segment, <clears throat> and we really hope you guys are going to like it. But before we get to Sailor's Whiskey segment, what is everybody drinking tonight, Ed? What are you drinking, well, bud? tonight, I decided to pull out something I haven't had in a while. Um, it was a bottle of Old Fitzgerald Prime. Um, Ooh, nice. I wasn't a big fan of this when I first got it, but again, I'm coming back to it. And I'm actually liking it a little bit more now. Um... But for some reason, which we'll explain in a little while, it's tasting very, very watered down. Um, this is a very low proof. Yeah. And, um, but actually, yeah, and, but there are qualities about this I do like. And looking into it, it is made by Heaven Hill and is a weeded bourbon. Here we go. Here so we go. To me, Here we go. It just it tastes like a very, very <laughs> weak version of Larceny. There it is. There it is. There's the and payoff. And I'm getting that same peanutty, <laughs> peanutty on the finish that I do on Larceny. But um, 
I'll stick with larceny though once this is done. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm not that impressed overall. Oh my god. It's the way to Ed's heart is through larceny, apparently. Which the whole point of 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 larceny, the story behind you know the marketing story behind larceny is directly connected to you know old Fitzgerald. Sure. The whole the key that's on the label and. Uh, the idea that, uh, oh, that Fitzgerald yeah. was like a, a federal officer that had a key to the warehouse and he was essentially stealing uh, whiskey and selling it. Thus, the larceny. Butthead. All right. How about the rest of y'all? Well, to sailor's dismay, I'm drinking the George Dicko. D- Dicko. <laughs> 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 oh my god be, right, be sure to again. send a picture of that uh, George Dicko to her uh, DM no please don't I have enough already you should, you should google George Dicko <laughs> anyway That's I'm assuming George, he meant to George Dickel George, George <laughs> Dickel Tabasco barrel finish <laughs> Yeah. How's that? How does that sound, Sailor? Gross. How does it sound? <laughs> I fucking dig it. So screw you guys. Um, I love Tabasco. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge Dickel fan. Just so you know, there's George Dicko has his own Facebook page. Actually, <laughs> he's a real person. Don't Google that. <laughs> he's a real person. I'm telling you, there's nothing bad coming up. So how is that George Dickel, Matt? <laughs> well, yeah, as I was hear, saying, let's hear about your hot sauce Dickel. I am not. <laughs> I am not a huge fan. Hot, hot of and spicy Dickel. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a, this is a spicy Dickel. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly the best Dickel that, I, that they've put out. <laughs> that I've had. I can't breathe. <laughs> we are children, not adults. But this is the best. This is the best dickle I've had by far. So much. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Okay. How about you, Jake? <laughs> How do yep. you top that? <laughs> uh, I'm just. Uh, well. I mean, I guess to play off of to play off of Matt's, I'm I'm drinking something super woody. <laughs> um, I'm drinking some Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. Actually. Oh, that's right. one of my favorites. You guys it's, know that. I how mean, much I love that. I, I it's funny because uh, it has a it's got a lot of uh, chocolate and uh, nutmeg and cinnamon. But I what's um my Scotch friends over there? phenolic so there's different ways that like scotch whiskeys they have the different levels of phenol which can come off as um i read one time that one of the one of the uh, aromas you can get is uh like paint stain painter stain which i've brought it before i've been in the painting industry for 20 years now and this is the one and only whiskey i've ever drank where i can actually there's a specific it's called gel stain that we use in our industry and 
I always thought before I ever had this whiskey for years, I always thought this this particular gel stain smelled really good, <laughs> like chocolatey, like bitter huh. chocolate. And sure enough, this double oak, that's what it's I get that aroma and it it it's like you know, you smell gasoline and you love the Usually smell of it's gasoline. Like Band-aid smoky flavor. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's another another aroma that you can get from from Most Fino, people will think of Band-Aid. I, this particular, this is like just dead on um, oil based gel stain, and it's mm. fantastic. It smells like chocolate. <laughs> wow. Okay. Awesome. Then. I think you've been huffing too many chemicals for most of your life. <laughs> and what? It, this is, this what? isn't a store pick, is it? Or is it a store pick? <laughs> of course it's a store pick, Ed. Oh, Does he drink sweet. anything that isn't a store pick? <laughs> he went to the store this and he I, picked it out. I Hi, had to I'm ask the question. I this, only just drink in case. store picks. This barrel was picked by my buddy Patrick Boutrus from uh, Red Wagon in, uh, in Troy, Michigan. So, so fancy. Yes, I, I like to support, nice sorry, I like to support my friends. Jeez. Moving right along. Sailor? Are you drinking something other than your whiskey segment? By no, chance? so I'm drinking water right now. We'll get to what I'm drinking in a minute. Okay. So. Is that is that water a store pick? It is. Okay, good. My friend, so um, sure. <laughs> Heathcliff <laughs> Johnson picked it Heathcliff for me. Heathcliff Dasani. <laughs> All right. Let's move along to this very special whiskey segment, shall we? But before I go Let's on, Jake, since you facilitated getting this bottle for me, why don't you tell the story? Because honestly, I don't know anything. I don't know how you guys pulled this together up until the night that you told me to open the box that had arrived right before my birthday. <clears throat> and bam, there was something very special inside there. So why don't you set up the story? Okay. So uh, a good buddy of mine, uh Brian, and if you uh, search him on Instagram, he's at, at Brian Anthony Mueller. Um, just, I mean, we're talking about one of the good guys. Just incredibly kind, generous, funny, just a great guy. Actually, you know, I met him through the bourbon community on Instagram, and we've become really good friends, uh, you know, since. And um, <clears throat> he, uh, you know, one, knowing that... Uh, that uh, I loved Knob Creek, loved heavy metal, and um, he found out about this uh, Knob Creek barrel that was picked. I guess I don't, I don't know if it was picked by or picked for or what have you. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, Anthrax, which is who we're talking about tonight, and uh, and so he was kind enough to. Um, he actually lives down, Matt, we're, uh, we're, we're talking about your old stomping grounds in New Jersey and, uh, he lives down, I guess, ocean area, South New Jersey. Okay. And this bottle was exclusively sold in Atlantic city and, uh, he drove up to Atlantic city and, I mean, it was a whole fiasco, and was he was awesome to uh, go through the process he did to get a couple bottles of this. He got one for me, um, and another one for uh, uh, at Bourbon Rado on Instagram. He's posted quite a bit about it. Um, <clears throat> but as as soon as we got it, and he sent it to me, and 
uh, I talked to uh, talked to Matt and Ed here, and and we knew that uh, this would be something awesome for Sailor to open up on her birthday, and for uh, for us to all drink and uh, and enjoy it for this specific show. So thanks so much to uh, to Brian for facilitating this. Cheers to him. Cheers, it's, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers yeah, Brian. to Brian. Thank you so much, Brian. <laughs> Um, for helping awesome. to make my birthday so special, and thank you to my dudes for um, the wonderful birthday present. And Sailor, would you like to tell? Would you like to tell the listeners when you opened up the box um, <laughs> when it arrived at your house? What did you find when you opened up the box? Was there a special wrapping paper inside? Um, the box? I think someone has a photo of this, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, you guys were kind enough to make sure that my birthday present was wrapped in <laughs> Lars Ulrich's giant, stupid fucking face. <laughs> Two of the most douchey, barftastic pictures you could have ever found of that mofo. That's what it, it was, was wrapped like, in. <laughs> uh, Metallica giant. meets Backstreet Boys kind yeah, of yeah. a Oh, photo, it was, right? yeah, yeah. He I was, think it was more... The one picture was uh, was if if uh, if Run DMC was looking for a cheesy white drummer. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was really really bad. Um, so before I knew what exactly was in that wrapping, I was like, "What the fuck are you guys sending me? Some gag gift? What is it going to be like? A giant dildo with Lars's face on it or something? Oh my god, I was so mad." But then. It was this bottle of delicious. Do we already say what it is? Yeah, it's a. Okay. Well, we said it was a nom, a nom creek yeah. okay. uh, barrel pick. So, <clears throat> uh, so this is what we what I have in my hands right now, and what I am drinking, and what I'm going to be talking about tonight on our whiskey segment is Anthrax, the Devil You Know, a small batch, single barrel reserve from Knob Creek. And this is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. So this pup comes in at 120 proof, of course. Um, it's been aged for nine years. And it was actually chosen by the band after they taste tested many, many barrels. So they said that they wanted oh, to put out a bourbon nice. that they would drink. They wanted to share what they drink with their fans. So they actually hmm. drank this and actually chose this because it was something that they would want. It was something that That's they were cool. excited about for their palates. Yeah, cool. yeah. I really, really like that, that they weren't just slapping their name on it. They actually mm -hmm. drink this. They picked it and they can tell you why, which I think is awesome. So, um, <clears throat> so it's really, really cool to have this bottle. I sent samples to my guys here, so we are all in possession um, of juice from this very bottle, and um, I'm really excited to tell you guys about it. So I will say that I did not touch it. I did not take one sip of it until, what was that, last week? Jake? <laughs> yeah, I was I surprised because... <clears throat> Well, I held on to it because we knew that we wanted to use only crack this for the show when we when we actually covered anthrax. And uh, my birthday was in April, so uh, it was a little torturous holding on to this <laughs> and not that cracking it. That is restraint. It. Yeah, yeah well, I'll tell you what. I can have restraint if I need. Yeah, to. I would have. I would have tried it in April. 
Nope. And nope. then nope. pretended that I was trying it again right now. <laughs> nope. nope. And Maybe lied, she did. And lied I, I with a straight face. No, I didn't. You guys saw me, remember? <laughs> so last week, um, after we yeah. were recording, yeah, right. Matt and Jake, and they made me take a sip out of the bottle, which I did. Um, but I oh, didn't. Oh, that's right. You remember that? <laughs> I forgot about it. I, well, I, I no, did no, forget yeah. about it, but now I'm remembering Remember you guys it, are making me take sips it. out of all kinds of bottles, and I'm like, what is going What? I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> oh, that's so- <laughs> right. I think you bottle chug some brandy. No, recol- no recollection. <laughs> oh, yeah. Co- the Copper and King brandy you sent me. Okay, yep. anyway. Anyway, I digress. So, um, oh, boy. Yeah, f- that was a huge digression that night. So the first time <laughs> that I really and truly tasted this, sat down with it, did my whole ritual, um, was last night. So um, let me tell you guys about this. So this, um, <clears throat> it's super dark in color, um, as is a lot of Knob Creek, but this is particularly, I compared it to a bottle that I have and a bottle that my uncle has, because I'm currently in New York at my favorite uncle's house, and it's a bit darker. Um, So on the nose from a first pour, I got right away spice and then the sweetness after spice. I got a hint of caramel candy, some toasty oak, and I definitely smell the rye in this, and they did allude to this possibly being high rye. Um, so after letting a dram sit in my glass overnight, when I came back to it today, um, I got maple immediately. Then after that, I got the candy, I got the oak and I got the spiciness of the rye. Um, so then on first taste, it was very warm on the palate. Of course, um, it's full bodied, lots of nuttiness, vanilla, a hint of dark chocolate, maple and then the spice again and i would say it's a medium oak in the finish i definitely got that caramel candy to come back i got the nut flavors vanilla and a very dry spice the heat certainly lingers and that carries that spice through um in that very very hearty finish when i added a few drops of room temperature water after i let it open up the vanilla and the banana came out um, they really came to the forefront and then followed with the, the uh, raisin, stone fruit, that maple came back again, and then the pepper was chilled out just a little bit. Since it was in the 90s yesterday and today, um, on my second pour, I added one large ice sphere and gave it a few minutes to cool it down, and uh, it pulled back on the heat a bit, and it really let all that sweetness and fruitiness come through. Again, that stone fruit and the raisins and the maple were very present. Um, and it's, and it still had a really nice mouthfeel, even though I had put an ice cube in there. So with each application, I really enjoy it. It tastes a lot like a Knob Creek expression should, but with a hint of something special. So I couldn't find a specific mash bill on this one that would be anything different from, um, a, a Knob Creek. Although they, this is the thing that, that, is a little confusing. So first, let me just say Knob Creek is typically four char, number four char, 75% corn, 13% rye, 12% malted barley. But the guys alluded to there being a high rye content in this and two barrels. So I'm not really sure what that means. Um, if they, it's always, it's, it's always the same mash bill. <clears throat> I've, Correct. I've, I've picked a couple Knob Creek barrels for our group now. And, uh, the majority of the barrels you're going to get are, are actually a number three char. Occasionally you'll get a number four char. And if you do the number four char Knob Creek barrels 
are just incredible. That's why I they, believe they, this is a number four char. Yeah. I get a lot more of the flavors that I get off of uh, the number four char in Op Creek Barrel that we had last year. Well, if you read their comments um, and they talk about picking two barrels, it could be that they blended some rye in there. That could be what they're talking about. Um, so it, it was... I definitely taste a lot more spice and rye in this than the normal Knob Creek bourbon. So it kind of makes me wonder a little bit. But I really like this. I think it's definitely special. I think they hit it out of the park. And I think they, it's awesome. a really great pick. So thank you so much, well, You're guys. welcome. You're welcome. So since I sent you all a sample, why don't you, why don't we go around the room and you guys tell me what you think of this expression? I think it's I think it's phenomenal. I really really enjoy. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Knob Creek picks. Um, like I said, I've I've had the pleasure of picking a couple barrels now. Um, it seems like some of the barrels I get are um, nice and like a lot of vanilla leather. Um, I would almost call them more like. A, the meal, and then some of these are the dessert, where you're getting, and and those are the ones that are usually like the char four, where you're getting a lot more of the fruit notes. Um, <clears throat> on this one particularly, I got a lot of maple and toffee um, up front in the nose, um, into the palate. Uh, Sailor, you kind of mentioned this. I got uh, like candied bananas a little bit. Um, a little bit of like a honey roasted peanut in there, um, some more of the maple through the palate, and then the finish. The finish was a lot more of the uh, maple syrup. Uh, really lingered for me. I mean, this is this is fantastic. This is one of the better uh, Knob Creek picks that I've had. This is this is delightful. I I would wonder did did they actually did you were you able to actually see the stat sheet? Um, for the pick, did they have that listed? Because I, no. I, I have a hard, I have a hard time believing this is just a nine year. I, I would That's, almost this tastes a lot more like a you know. I, I feel the same so many way. of these now. I feel like a lot of the barrel pick ones that they send you are like thirteen year. Uh, I've even I've even sampled some fourteen year barrels. Um, this has a lot of a lot of like um, burnt sugar and and, and notes that. That's what the, yeah, yeah. the maple it's got some maturity to it. Exactly. Yeah. That's why like the color, the mouthfeel mouth really and all buttery. that maple coming through. Yeah. I feel the same way and like I said, so much they alluded to they they definitely said it was a higher it was a number 4 char. They alluded to it being two they well they said two barrels and they alluded to rye in there. So I all I wonder too if this is I mean they they have to say 9 years. You know, you have to say the lowest the, the um, label. Well, that's the funny thing about these labels. <laughs> the Knob Creek label is the most ridiculous nonsensical label in, in in bourbon because it says single barrel small batch for one which is completely, completely yeah. like oxymoron okay. you know i don't know if it's redundant yeah. or contradictory but yeah, it's I one don't... of the two <laughs> and they put nine year on all of them even though um our barrel that we had last year um was a char for 13 year old barrel and it still said nine year on the label and it wasn't they blended with, change it. it wasn't blended <laughs> no, with no it was a single barrel what it was the a single hell? barrel well that's what yeah. i think is weird is that yeah it says single barrel but they <laughs> yeah. it's not a single barrel yeah. they blended 
because they picked two barrels and there isn't much out there about that like their the interviews are very short they were all the same right. exact statements every source i went to so this one's a little bit of a head scratcher <laughs> i'm interested to hear matt's perspective on this well i'm not a huge knob creek fan to begin with um you know i've had their standard rate Yes. You prefer the dickle yes. over the knob? <laughs> there it is. Uh, it, it, only, yeah. it only took 20 seconds. I could not resist. And there it is. <laughs> oh my god. So uh, that being said, I haven't... You know, I've had the regular Knob Creek, you know, the standard Knob Creek single barrel. It really didn't leave a huge impression on me. Uh, but overall, I really did enjoy this. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know, the nose I got was very, very creamy, sweet nose. Um, uh... You know, akin to what Sailor said, there's sort of a candied caramel. I, I actually put like a chocolate bar caramel because I did get some chocolate with it too. Um, it kind of reminded me of a Snickers bar actually a little bit. Um, but, you know, very very hot yeah. obviously, but that's, that's yeah, what I got. Yeah, I can um, see that totally. You know, upon first taste, it was just for my palate, it was just a little bit too hot. I had to let it sit. And again, like you said, I went back to it. Maple brown sugar cereal is like what I got big time. Um, just absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. And, you know, a little bit of cinnamon, baked apple, just the caramel bomb again. Just really, really nice before that heat comes back in. Uh, so very, very, I, d- I did like it a lot. I actually did enjoy it. You know, for people out there that uh, don't be afraid, Knob, Knob Creek is, these Knob Creek 120 proofers, they stand up well to a sphere of ice. They do, and I didn't add oh, water. Yeah. A little bit water of water. They, they, you know, if, if, if heat up front is unbecoming to you, don't worry, because these ones, these picks stand up really well to a little bit of branch. So don't, don't fear it, add it, give it a shot. Yeah, and also um, doing different applications as you first crack a bottle and start tasting it, I find to be really helpful as well. You know, tasting it neat, tasting it with a little bit of water added to it, tasting it with a yeah. cube, especially for a high a, a high proof like this, like <clears throat> you said. Um, and then just leaving, we've talked about this on the show before, putting a little bit in a glass, maybe leaving the last couple sips in your glass neat overnight cover it with a tissue or paper towel, go back to it the next day, you're going to really get all of the base flavors to come out and all of the aromas and all of those super hearty notes are going to come right through. And you get a really great indication of what's inside I mean, it really evolved. uh, Maybe part of me was surprised that it evolved so much in the short time I had it breathing, um, the nose and the palate. But fucking delicious. Yeah. Well, with a proof like this, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Definitely. It's got you got to yeah. let something like this open yeah. up for sure. That's really important. Ed. All right. Ed. So, I first got this. I'd only had Knob Creek one other time, <clears throat> and interestingly enough, it was another 120 proof selection I had um at a restaurant. So, um First thing I noticed was I did I you know I, I smelled it on the nose. Um, like most of the rest of you, I got caramel, I got the baking spices, I got cinnamon and you know the cloves, which I guess would fit in with yeah. those baking spices. And 
I, I wrote down, it reminded me like Christmas at Grandma's in a glass. Nice. <laughs> is what it smelled like to me. I mean, yeah, we have all the, like, the cookies baking and just, yeah, just mm-hmm. a really pleasing nose. Um, the taste, this stuff brings the heat, I'll tell you what. I put that to my lips <laughs> and they started yep. tingling immediately. Love it. So, and the first thing that hit me was the oak, and then once I got the taste, then all of a sudden I could smell the oak on the nose. It was very apparent after I started tasting it. Um, the, I got cinnamon hit me really quick, like that, like those red hots, and something other, some other kind of uh, flavor. I couldn't quite put my finger on it i almost likened it to like like pine or something like that um and then that that char you could taste that char from the barrels um that charcoal flavor um that really kind of took over um after a, a, a short bit um now coming back after having been drinking it for a while now um, <laughs> the charcoal isn't as apparent as it was isn't as overwhelming um, I started to get maybe like a little bit of hint of dark fruits like uh, cherries or something like that and but it has a very very long finish um, I don't get quite as much of a variety of tastes as you guys do. My palate just doesn't allow for that for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I thought you've described yeah. it really, really nicely, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, I am, um, for some reason, my palate is very sensitive to that charcoal taste. And in this case, I can handle it. It's fine. But I know, you know, you guys always kind of kind of poke fun at me for the eagle rare, but for some reason that's what I always pick up on that, that just overwhelming charcoal taste. Is I'm very sensitive to that for some reason, uh, but yeah, but this I really like though. I am enjoying this, and I'm uh, happy to uh, share this with you guys. Cheers! Well, cheers, guys. Cheers, everyone. Well done. Cheers. Sounds like uh, yeah, sounds like we all liked it. I, I mean, I kind of wish I would have. Kept this for myself and sent Sailor a sample. Hey. <laughs> I mean, wait. Yeah. I will say it does make me curious things? to try other store, <laughs> single barrel Knob Creek store picks that I see. It does, definitely. Oh, yeah. How many, how many do you want? I'll tell 15. you what. I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> One thing that I have to say about this is um, most of my bourbon that I drink, I would say, is usually high proof higher proof um but once you get like above 110 i feel like it gets it's very difficult for me to get bourbon that's priced well in the in that upper proof range and still get a lot of flavor out of it and that's what knob creek does very well is that they there's so much flavor packed into these expressions at such a high proof i think that's it's mm-hmm. the the heat often can overwhelm the flavor and you have a really hard time getting past that heat and the astringency and finding that flavor and i don't find that um with knob creek and i certainly don't find that with this one so i am so super happy i'm going to be nursing the hell out of this bottle you guys <laughs> took half of it already <laughs> i have jerks. a little bit left and i'm nursing it already <laughs> i love you and i that's appreciate a, it that's a solid 
<laughs> and and you know what? To if anybody's ever wondered this, because prior to um, prior to trying it at barrel strength, I kind of always wondered, like, why do they water it down? Literally, like six or seven proof points. Why are they bringing it down to 120 proof? Why don't they just give it at barrel strength? But to be honest, it's they're doing the right thing at one at 120. It is it's perfect because if you guys have ever tried, they do their special release knob creeks at barrel strength, and I've done those in blinds against what? knob creek barrels against store pick 120 barrels. And the one twenties mm-hmm. win every time. They they. <clears throat> so I have a question. What? Yeah. So they go in at one twenty five, right? Barrel entry proof, I believe. So what yep. they go in at sounds about right. Um. So what is the age on the other ones you're talking about? Because you're losing proof. I mean, you're going to lose proof there. Not that no, much. No, you gain. You gain, you gain proof, proof. No, you're on gonna, bourbon. On scotch, you lose proof. That's on what bourbon, I, that's you what gain I meant. proof. No, no, no. That's what I meant as it's aging. Sorry. So what is the age difference that you're talking about? Is it still the nine year? Well, what they well, say is nine. I don't even on, know. Yeah. On the single barrel there, uh, on the single barrel store picks, there are a minimum of nine years. Yeah. Uh, in the kits that I've gotten, and quick little side funny note, um, the last... So we've picked two Knob Creek barrels for um, for our local group this year, and one of which we found out this last week, um, Knob Creek actually lost the barrel. <clears throat> and this was one that they sent us a kit. We declined the samples that they sent us because we just didn't feel like there was one exceptional. They sent us another kit. We picked one that was exceptional. They lost the barrel. Um, my guess is they accidentally sent it to somebody else. There was a clerical error, or whatever. So now they're going to fly us down to Kentucky and, you know, kind of show us some VIP treatment and let us uh, let us pick another barrel um, nice. here, here in the early fall. So it's a delay, but it's kind of fun. It'll be cool. But generally, when you get their kits, you'll get, you'll get like a nine-year. You'll get... Maybe a couple 13 year, maybe you'll get a wild card like 14 year or maybe multiple nine year, but it's always kind of within that nine to 13 year range yeah. is what yeah. I've seen every time I've done it. And, uh, and surprisingly, um, you, the don't always think you're going to pick the age because the nine and 10 year sure. went out a lot, a lot. Mm. You know, you kind of want the like 13, 14 year to win because, you know, from a marketing standpoint, you know, that store that you're picking it for, if it says 13 year on it, it's going to sell faster. And that's just the reality of the market Mm -hmm. of bourbon that we're in right now is people will buy up older stuff faster. It's unfortunate, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is. But usually the proofs are right around like um, just shy of 130. So that's what I mean. They're not. They're not watering it down that much. No, it's it's just a just a touch. Cutting, you mean? Yeah. We don't want to say watering. It's the proper it down. term. We don't say cutting. It's what cutting. It's <laughs> 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 well, this was this was hands down the most in depth whiskey segment we've ever done, and I think it was a good oh, representation. Sure. I so our hope our hope with this was that by all of us sampling and discussing the same whiskey 
tasted, you know, separately that we would be able to kind of prove to people that everybody's going to get different notes and that tasting Uh is very much subjective and don't feel, don't feel pressured to just feel like you need to taste what other people taste or that you need to be able to pull out, you know, 15 tasting notes, you know, sailor, you're much more accustomed to identifying those flavors into a verbal description than probably the three of us are. And absolutely. And, but but everybody but everybody needs to feel comfortable to be able to describe it in whatever way they truly are experiencing it. Absolutely, and I think and that's, that's really important. That's so important, and I teach. Well, I mean, also I have a lot of practice because I teach <clears throat> classes. I educate people about whiskey. I hold tasting classes and sensory training. So I've had to learn how to articulate what I'm tasting and what I'm feeling when I'm experiencing. I could have gone. You know, I could have done pages about this, but who the fuck wants to listen to that? <laughs> what I tell people in the beginning is just start off with anything. You know, if you taste one thing, cool. You tasted one thing. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Next time you drink it, you might taste something else. You might not. Maybe it'll take you a few weeks, a few months, a few years. I've been doing this for years and years and years, and I literally taste whiskey every single day, typically. Um, it's just, and it's just practice. And also, sometimes it's just the right bottle, too. It's the right expression. You know, you might get a bottle, be tasting something everybody else is shitting themselves over, and you're like, I mean, that happened to me in the beginning. I would be drinking, like, super you know, high end or very, very well liked whiskey. And I'd be like, I don't get it. And I would end up with some (laughs) lower shelf, lower (laughs) shelf stuff that I think was just not as complex. And so it was easier for me, for my brain to kind of determine what I was tasting. So I, I suggest that for um, people that are new to whiskey on, on their journey is start off with lower shelf stuff that's not as complex and try to train yourself that way. Um, and you can go online and you can Google tasting wheels. It's often what I use in my classes and it will help Those you identify. Those are so helpful. They're so, so helpful. helpful. I used to oh carry mine with me <laughs> everywhere. I had one in the car, one in my purse, one in my laptop bag. I used to use it like crazy so it start you know sweet okay well here's two things sweet and then it gets advanced as the wheel gets larger so i definitely suggest grabbing one of those and always having that handy yeah um and just keeping notes things like that so um yeah that's all i gotta say about that all right so thank you guys so much for this wonderful present. Brian, you are amazing. Thank you, thank Brian you, thank you. Brian is awesome. You helped to make my birthday really thank special. You, and I definitely felt loved from you guys. And um, this was super fun. Let's definitely do this again. But now it is time to talk about the band Anthrax. All right, so guys, I have prepared a timeline. Um, this is uh, another band that has been around for quite some time, and uh, there is a lot to discuss. Um, so I tried to make this as concise as I possibly could. So, um, so we'll we'll just give a little bit of a timeline in case there are people out there that aren't as familiar. Um, with Anthrax, um, and then we'll talk about the albums in question tonight. Awesome! I can't. I can't wait to hear how you uh, 
were able to narrow their, I mean, like 30 something years into this timeline. (laughs) So Anthrax formed in Queens, New York City. Woo woo. Shout out to my hometown, Queens. What? In 1981, by rhythm guitarist Scott Ian and bassist Dan Lilker. Anthrax is considered one of the big four of thrash metal, along with Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth. The band has released 11 studio albums and 26 singles. They are well known outside of the metal community for collaborating with Public Enemy with Bring the Noise. Come on! Here we go again! Anthrax has sold over 10 million records worldwide since forming. In 1984, Anthrax signed with the indie label Megaforce Records and released their debut album, Fistful of Metal. There were a lot of lineup changes in the band before and after their first record. For example, Dan Loker left the band in 84 and formed Nuclear Assault. He was replaced by Frank Bello. In 1985, Joey Belladonna was chosen as Anthrax's new vocalist, and I think it's safe to say he was and is the most popular Anthrax vocalist. He left at one point and then returned, and this is a thread throughout the band's history. So I'm going to stay away from all the lineup changes. So Fistful of Metal came out initially to a really great reception. Many critics felt this album um, brought out New York City and New York back on the map from a hard music standpoint. A few thought that they had not really developed their sound yet, but hey, it was their first album. Metal Thrashing Mad was a breakout hit and responsible for the term thrash metal. As we've talked about in previous episodes, the term was used for the first time in the music press by Kerrang's journalist Malcolm Dome referring to the thong song Metal Thrashing Mad. In 1985, Anthrax released Spreading the Disease. This is the first album to feature Joey Belladonna on vocals and bassist Frank Bello. So initially, the band wasn't at all thrilled to hire Belladonna as they were not impressed with his musical background. They would learn to love his sound, his style, and uh, his contribution to the band. A video was shot for the single Madhouse, but it didn't receive a whole lot of airplay on MTV (laughs) at the time because execs felt that it was degrading to the mentally insane. Their words, not mine. The album received great reception from critics and fans alike and is still well-respected and many feel that it stands the test of time for thrash from that era. An interesting little side note, there was still studio time left after the recording of Spreading the Disease, so Scott Ian and drummer Charlie Bennett and Loker founded Stormtroopers of Death and recorded the album S.O.D., Speak English or Die. They literally practiced for a week and boom, they had an album. So in 1986, the band went back into the studio and began work on Among the Living. This time, they worked with producer and engineer Eddie Kramer, famous producer. If you guys don't know him, he's worked with the Beatles, Clapton, Hendrix, Zeppelin, Kiss, The Stones, Santana, etc., etc., etc. The band was super blown away at the time that he agreed to work with them. This is definitely one of Anthrax's most well-known albums for all of us old fuckers. This album features the tracks I Am The Law and Indians, which both received radio play and the music video for Indians received um, decent play on MTV at the time. The song I Am The Law is actually a tribute to Judge Dredd. If you don't know, he's a comic book hero. You know, Stallone played him in the movie Judge Dredd in 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
This album is also dedicated to Cliff Burton. The two bands, Metallica and Anthrax, were very good friends, played many gigs together and toured together, and Cliff was killed the same year that this album came out, or was recorded, sorry. So this is a very well-regarded album, considered an icon of um, 80s thrash metal. The song Caught in a Mosh is ranked as one of the 40 greatest metal songs ever by VH1. Then in 1988, the album State of Euphoria was released, and then in 1990, Persistence of Time was released. State of Euphoria was released to a very lukewarm reception. Persistence of Time was actually nominated for a Grammy in 1991, but it was such a different album for the band, with a very different tone and subject matter, that it really didn't get the reception that it should have. And this is also the last album to feature Joey Belladonna. For a while, that is. Then... Then in 1992, the band went back into the studio with new vocalist John Bush, and this album would be The Sound of White Noise. They moved away from the fast thrash and humor that they were known for and went into a more alternative metal style. This album debuted at number seven on the Billboard 200 charts, the highest position ever for Anthrax. It received very positive reception from critics, and even with the drastically different musical and vocal sound, it was praised by fans. After Sound of White Noise, they released Stomp 40, sorry, Stomp 442 in 1995, and it did not get very good reception from critics or fans. And then Volume 8, The Threat is Real in 1998 came out, also not very well received. Stark period for Anthrax at the time. So then we fast forward a little bit to 2003. We've Come For You All was released. This album featured Dimebag Daryl and Roger Daltrey as guest appearances. Strange choices. Uh, I mean, not Dimebag Daryl, but Roger Daltrey. It's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> so although it's received Daltrey. positive reviews from critics, the fans just did not get it. And sales just weren't yeah. great. So then again, we're going to fast forward to 2011. <laughs> which brought us worship music. Joey Belladonna is now back on vocals, and it's been about seven years since their last album. This one received positive reviews from critics and debuted at number 12 in the U.S., the highest chart position since 1993's Sound of White Noise. Several critics felt like this album was a, quote, fresh fistful of metal, end quote. Many felt that Anthrax had their groove back, so to speak, and the band actually went on two separate tours um, to support this album and began doing the big four tours with Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth. And then finally, in 2006, Anthrax released For All Kings. This album entered number nine on the Billboard 200 chart, and this is the first time that they charted in the top ten since White Noise. Kings received mixed reviews from critics, but it seemed that diehard fans were pretty stoked on this album and felt it was a really true anthrax sound once again. So for the moment, it seems that they are going to be working on a new album. Um, They did uh, start writing and uh, and working on this album and then put off their studio time because they decided to take this last tour with Slayer. So it seems that we will hear new music from Anthrax somewhere in early 2019 from what they have alluded to. So that is a very quick timeline of a band that has had a very, very long um, and interesting career. Um, I thought it would be best to leave it open to discussion since we've really got two and a half, three albums to discuss tonight. So let's start off talking about Fistful of Metal. Metal 
so that's one of the albums that we're going to be that's going to be battling tonight. So why don't why don't we start there and get everybody's um, thoughts and <clears throat> memories? Um, possibly, I know I'm fucking old enough to have a memory of it, but uh, <laughs> on this album. So I guess the major, the glaring difference with this album is the lead singer, yes, uh, Neil yeah. Turbin, I believe. Yes. Yep. So that yep, yeah. you definitely notice that right off the bat when you listen to this album as opposed to the albums after, it's it's a very different sound. Well, I have to qualify this by saying first of all that um, Anthrax was one of those bands that really never made it onto my radar back in their heyday. Really, um, Pantera is another good example. Um, again, it, it goes back to what my friends were listening to, what was on the radio, and Anthrax God, again was so one of those, popular. those uh, crazy. Um, bands that just never got much radio play. Um, I feel like, you know, if I had been introduced to them back then, then yeah, I would have been a big fan and I would have really dug it. But um, now it's like, even though I do like some of their songs on um, these two albums, um, hearing it now kind of with on my fresh ears today, um, it really doesn't grab me and they feel pretty, feels pretty dated. So that's my initial take on it. But, you know, I do think that Fistful of Metal starts off really good and it really hooks me right away. But after I think it's like I'm eight, 18 was a, I'm 18 was a pretty good cover. The, uh, they all scoop her cup. But um, <laughs> anyway. That was like my least favorite part of the entire album. But after album, that, it, it, that, it just cover. kind of, <laughs> I know, I just kind of kind of loses me after that. And it's just all kind of a, just one big mass of sameness. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a big yeah, fan pi- of this album. To piggyback on that, Ed, it does get repetitive after mm-hmm. a certain point. Yeah. It gets extremely repetitive. I will say that Neil Turbin is a fantastic vocalist. The guy can sing. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But it's just, yeah. I, I mean, I would there's agree with you. I, yeah. I think if I think if if he was, I thought he was far more advanced than what the band was. Correct. At, at the recording of that album, I thought I thought he sounded like he could have been fronting a much more experienced band, and the album itself sounded like a garage album. Yeah, I mean, there's there are some good riffs in there, but I, I would agree with your point, Jake. Overall, about about that, and you know, to me, I wrote it down that I get a lot of like Overkill vibes from this album. I mean, they sound a lot like Overkill, maybe with like a little Judas Priest sprinkled in, but very little bit. But to me, it sounds like you know maybe it's an East Coast thing, but the, like Overkill just popped into my head when I was listening to this album. Mm. Yep, I can see that. Yeah. Well, for bat for when this album came out, man, Metal Thrashing Mad was like a revelation back then. At the time, it was fucking insane. And I remember um I started listening to Anthrax probably in 86, I think it was. And um I just thought Metal Thrashing Mad and Panic and Death Rider and Subjugator were just incredible, incredible songs. And it was just really fast, really 
just really insane and they were crazy and that just was so fun it was just it's such it's a fun album and that's kind of how i always look back on it is that it was just fun yeah <clears throat> and i i think if i were maybe a because i mean i i can think back to punk bands that you know i listened to when i was younger that were you know, fresh at the time. And I thought the same thing. And now I listen back to it. And I'm like, it just seems really unpolished and maybe just unpracticed, unrehearsed. And at the time it seems like you said, it's a lot of fun because that's your, maybe your more of your mentality at that time. And it was something oh, new, it's very new at that time. <clears throat> Whereas now, you know, you've heard, um, you know, thrash bands that have put out, multiple i mean just listening you know hindsight you can hear what anthrax sounds like five to six seven albums in and how much better you know more talented how more practiced better produced etc they got and it i i think if you maybe you weren't around at this time during fistful of metal like I said, it made me feel like it was more of like a, a garage album. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where it put, where it put for me. I think they, uh, let's see, 84. When did, uh, when did, uh, why am I blanking? Um, kill them all. When did Kill Em All come out again? 83. 83. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, when I was watching um, the... Uh, <laughs> I went back, went back and watched the VH1 Behind the Music with Anthrax, which I would definitely recommend. But yeah, I remember at the end of the documentary, or the end of the, you know, I guess we can call it a documentary, or a rockumentary, at the end of it, I remember uh, Scotty and saying, well, hopefully... By the time you guys are watching this, worship music will have come out. But, uh, um, you know, they, they were talking about how um, how they kept they kept giving demos to, was it Johnny Z? Was that the guy's yeah, name? Johnny Z. That yep. had uh, Megaforce yep. Records, yep. and he had Metallica. Yep. And Slayer. And, uh, <clears throat> yep. And, uh, and, and these guys, they just, they wanted to be represented by Johnny Z so bad that they were like tracking him down to IHOP mm -hmm. when he was eating breakfast with his wife and giving him <laughs> demos and stuff like that. And, and Johnny Z kept telling him like, it's not good. And he even told him this album, he told him this album wasn't good and he wouldn't sign him at this point. But and but he, he but he was kind of like well he was kind of holding him on, holding on to him and when metallica came back stateside after um you know being in europe for a little bit he knew the guys of anthrax and had metallica stay with them and even at this point metallica staying with them they're still not on megaforce and then uh <clears throat> i i want to say it was uh it was they gave him a demo for, was it Among the Living, I think? Or maybe, maybe it was earlier than that. Spreading the disease, maybe. But it, they gave, finally gave him a demo, and, and he was like, this is close. And then he said that, uh, and Scott Ian, like took his bar mitzvah money and paid for like studio time, um, like 2500 bucks, and they recorded Among the Living. And that was when Johnny Z said, this, this is really good. 
And that was when he signed him. Well, I, I think I have that story right. Mega Fistful of Metal is released on Megaforce. So they recorded a, a five track demo in 1983. And um, that's when he finally accepted that and then signed them um, with Megaforce. And then um, they issued a seven inch <clears throat> single of Soldiers of Metal and Howling Furies. And that sold 3,000 yep. copies in two weeks. So he was like, all right, fine. We're going to put an album yeah, out. Yep. I mean, that was really good for back then. So then that's when... Yep. Um, and that's when they started touring with Metallica, which obviously correct. the Cliff Burton yes, situation. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so, you know, although this may not be an album that you listen to now and think it's... And say, oh, it's not polished and it's this and that. At the time, that's not what Thrash sounded like. You know, I mean nobody's initial album sounded polished. If you listen to um, Metallica, if you listen to Slayer all around the same time, I think they're all a year apart respectively. um, They don't sound polished. And and, I mean, that just wasn't, it just wasn't what was happening initially back then, especially in this thrash sound. They were all kind of developing this fast, furious sound. So that doesn't bother me as much. Um, you know, does it hold up now? No. Okay, it doesn't hold up now, but um But you definitely it's still you, of you, the you moment can, though. You can certainly see this place that it holds Absolutely. in history. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. why they're considered. And I and I truly core. respect what it I truly respect what it represents from a historical standpoint. I just I got it. hindsight. Yeah. It's hard it's hard it's hard to I didn't hear it when it was fresh. Yeah, I mean, I just honestly, think it- I'm I'm more of a reverse, like Ed said. I'm more of a reverse. I listen to their newest stuff and work my way back, except for when we, you know, were studying for this uh, for this episode. I started from the beginning, but at that point, it was like all I wanted to do is listen to the new stuff. Well, I think that you know that's the thing about when you are looking at going back and looking at these bands that have legendary careers is can you take yourself out of right now and put yourself back at the time that these albums were released and really judge them on their moments in time. I think sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. I think it just, I mean, that's just part of it being subjective and it being taste, but you know, for me, you know, being there early on, it was very exciting and it was very new and it was very groundbreaking. So I, I had that album holds a very special place in my heart. So is there anything else you guys want to say about Fistful of Metal before we move on to Among the Living? All right, guys. Well, let's move on to a favorite album of mine. That's Among the Living. wants to kick it off all right so i'll start off um this i think is a good progression from their first uh fistful of metal album i can definitely see them moving in the right in a good direction and that must be you know maybe part of that is for because of joey belladonna his vocals um i noticed there's a little bit of change there um but yeah i did like this one a little more than fistful of metal still not my favorite 
but um, I think definitely they're they're moving in the right direction. You know, I love uh, <clears throat> I love the 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 intro to Caught in a Mosh. I feel like uh, it it's such a cool intro. Um, NFL was a real fun song. Nice, nice effing life. <laughs> um, I really liked One World. I thought that was a really good song. There's a lot of really great songs on this album. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I know it sits in a place in time in which this, uh, you know, using the word Indians was appropriate or accepted. It's just annoying. But that's something that's closer to me because my, my dad is Cherokee, so... And uh, I know that's one of their more popular songs. I just, yeah, it is what it is. Um, you know, all in all, it's it's a great album. I can definitely tell. It's like I said, it's it's a huge step in uh, in the direction of, um, I mean, not it, professionalism in the sense that it's well produced, it's well written. Um, the recording quality, I'm sure their budget got a lot better, but. Um, you know, I think it. Uh, I think it still leaves. It still leaves some to be desired, and uh, you know, in my opinion, I think two to three albums down the road, they really knocked it out of the park, and um, I, I can absolutely see why an Anthrax fan could pick this as their favorite album. I fucking love this album. I really do. <laughs> I fucking love this album, man. This this album is so much fun. Uh, from beginning to end, and I think that they really found their sound with this album. I think, you know, most people, I think, would say that. Uh, I mean, great riffs, uh, great rhythm change, changes, great breakdowns in every song, um, great choruses, um, Skeleton in the Closet, my fucking favorite song on this album. The, there's just no let-up. It's just a super fucking awesome album from beginning to end, and I think it's one of those, if you're... Uh, if you're a metal, you know, whatever you want to pigeonhole that into, whether it's metal, thrash, whatever, forget whatever category it falls under. These, these, this album is one that you have to hear and then you probably have to own. I think it's one of those must listen albums for that time period. Definitely. I think I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Matt, when, when, uh, when I was listening through their songs, actually, it's funny that, that, so would you say, I mean, I guess let's wait, but it sounds like, you know, you really love this album. Whenever I was listening to Persistence of Time and Got the Time is like a speed punk kind of song, mm-hmm. I thought about you because in the past you've mentioned how you really love that kind of like speed punk style. That was one of those songs that I was, and, and I guess that's kind of something that is what makes this band great is that they're... It's similar to Metallica, they're very creative. And oh, yeah. They're all over the place. Oh, yeah. You know, they keep you guessing. Um, I, I think that's um, as opposed to, I mean, we've we've now talked or, are, you know, in the process of talking, this is a third of the four big four that we're talking about on this show. And um, similar to Metallica, these guys really they're they're all over i mean they they don't they don't pigeon you know you can't pigeonhole i mean they're all over the place they they include 
rap lyrics. They they get funky at times. They're they're speed punk. They're thrash. They're they're all over the place, and it it keeps you guessing. It it keeps you from getting too bored. Now some of the songs are a little bit snoozy for me, but I think you're right. I, I, it's great that they don't they don't they keep guessing. So I have to agree with Matt here. This is my favorite Anthrax album, hands down, no contest for me. And I think it is just, it's phenomenal. You've got Among the Living, Caught in a Mosh, I Am the Law, and Indians. Yes. I mean, of the time, it was fine to say, but whatever. Um, For what it's worth, that's my favorite song on this album. (laughs) It is my favorite. They were from India. So, Caught in a Mosh. Cotton Amash is my absolute favorite ever um, song from. Uh, I love the beginning but of that num- song. It's Indians so good. is my second so favorite. Good. As a matter of fact, um, I think I was a junior in high school. I can't remember. We had a talent show, and my girlfriends and I we all um, we all did Indians, and it was really hard to do actually, um, but it was super fun. Um, I I just this album is everything. This is, album is Anthrax. Everything that Anthrax is is in this album. You just get like a sample. It's almost like a tasting experience of all of you know them as an expression, and you just get well you said. get everything in here. You get thrash. You get metal. You get punk. You get a little rap. You get a little. You just get a little bit of everything. Again, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's wild. It's off the wall. It's funny. You know, there's some humor in there. Um, NFL, for example, and um, but it, it kick it kicks your oh, ass. Totally kicks it your kicks ass. your ass from beginning. Totally. This, despite all those changes and everything that you said, like it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little but bit. But it of works. That. The one constant is. It's pedal to the metal from beginning to end, and there's no love in there. No, I didn't articulate this very well earlier, but I think that was one of the things about when I mentioned this being a good, um, good progression was the expanding their range of sound um, in this album over the previous one as well, changing it up a little bit. Absolutely. And and this album, you know, it should it it should be known. And if you uh, if if you do watch that. you know, behind the music or a, a documentary or read up on Anthrax that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember if you mentioned this in the timeline, but, you know, the whole Among the Living, this album was was written right after, uh, I think they recorded it re- like right after Cliff died and there was also another uh, death in one of the band members' families. And so it was kind of like <clears throat> uh, that was the whole the whole thing the among the living that they were trying to recover from those you know catastrophes in their lives and uh and and they really took i mean they were they were so tight with metallica but yeah i mean among the living is it it's it's that it's it's that they had people that were dying that were close to them and they were left among the living they talked about how mm-hmm. that that album title meant something to some them, of my which i really i thought that was some great. of my favorite things about this really album cool. is the subject matter too um you know yeah. like i talked about uh you know <clears throat> judge dread i am the law is you know about judge dread and you know nfl is about the life of john belushi 
um, you know, nice fucking life. Oh my God. So funny. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that just absolutely cracked me up. And, you know, there's a skeleton in the closet is based on, um, Stephen King's apt pupil. And, um, mm-hmm. We won't talk about ADI because it's just not appropriate anymore. Um, but <laughs> Imitation of Life is a remake of an SOD song, um, Aren't You Hungry? I just love all of the all of the things that are in here. But when this album came out, I remember, again, I know I tell these stories all the time, waiting in line for this record. I remember getting it. I remember seeing, I saw them on this tour. Um, and holy shit, I have been to... I have been to a lot of punk and metal shows in my lifetime um, in the past and, you know, recently. And let me tell you, I have never seen insanity like this. When they, the mosh pits were fucking insane. (laughs) I mean, and still today, like if you, when they play caught in a mosh, forget it. Like, you know, everybody, all us old fuckers, all of a sudden, you know, you put your fucking walker down and you just jump in the mosh pit and go. I won't go anywhere near them. Um, I'll get fucking killed. But um, this was such it's, the people they would interview would talk about like if if you go to an anthrax show and you leave without like bumps and bruises and scripts, then then you need to prove yeah, that, that you're actually, actually there. there. It's true. Because no one's going to believe it's true. you. And you will and you will see like um I can't remember what year it was the last time I saw them. They saw them with somebody else. I, I will admit I didn't go see them for them anymore because I haven't been into their um, more modern shit. But um, I I remember like what like looking around going like, oh, damn, I'm definitely not the oldest person here. This is awesome. You know, I don't feel like the granny. And, you know, everybody was chilling. And then, of course, that's how they, you know, that's how they get shit going, caught in a wash. They start playing caught in a wash. And it was like all the old people, like, ran out. And you could see all the young kids kind of like, oh, whoa, what the fuck's going on here? It was really hilarious. Um, But I love this album. This, to me, this is the most, this is such a fantastic it's just a fantastic reflection of thrash and metal at the time. It's such a, it's such a, it's the epitome of anthrax. I can't imagine anyone not thinking this album isn't the end all and be all of anthrax. That's my take on it. <clears throat> and like I, th- I said before, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you were a fan back then. Um, because this album, as great as it is, and I, I'm as great as I probably would be right there with you if I was had been listening to it back in the day. But to come at it right now with a fresh ear, it does seem a little dated, and it doesn't hook me like it probably would have back then. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm I, just calling it. Like I wasn't. I, see it. I wasn't there back in the day, and well, I fucking dig. I it think more this than ages so well. I think this is ages so well. I have no problem. I don't find this dated at all. This album. I don't know. All right, fair enough. This this album ages well. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. yeah. I think it's my. I would say it's my <clears throat> fourth favorite Anthrax album. What the fuck? And I don't, it's funny, I, you know, I just kind of thinking back at, at things, I, I think I really like when, uh, when bands are like just about to break up. I feel like, 
I'll really like an album and then I'll be like, I'll study into it and, and read about how that was right when the, you know, somebody was getting kicked out or whatever. And there's all this tension because that's like what was happening during persistence of time is that that was Belladonna's last studio album that he did uh, with the band. And, and to me, like that's that to me, that's, you know, I mentioned that, uh, that uh, for all Kings, I think is their their greatest work. I think it's just amazing. I think Persistence of Time is my second favorite. Um, but let's talk about. Um, do we want to move on yeah, to the next we one? Yeah, we need Sailor? to. So the reason why I added, um, we're going to talk a little bit about a sound of white noise, and the reason that I added this in there is just to take into account this is their most popular album. I find that strange. I, I found it quite surprising, but I had also kind of checked out of Anthrax by this point, so that could just be my view of it. But I thought, you know, I included, I wanted to include two albums from their, you know, their heyday, kind of, let's say. But, you know, we, we can't really discount Sound of White Noise, so that's why I included it. So let's talk about that a little bit, and then we'll take our vote. Sound of white when it's, you know, Bush was, uh, you know, their their lead vocalist for twelve years. So it's, it's. I think it would be an injustice if we didn't talk about at least one album from that era. Yeah. Well, with this album, I listen to this album, and I'm thinking, okay, now we're talking. Now this is some Anthrax that I could really get into for some. This album. It's, it's a solid it's a little album. more modern, a little more. This is the the other albums. I, c- I could see every once in a while listening to them, but this is one that I could actually see myself listening <clears throat> to on the regular. Um, out of all these three albums, I think this mm-hmm. is the one. This is my favorite. The one I would probably come back to. Um, it's not as dated. I like the singer. Um, not that no, I do. I when I say that, I don't want to make it sound like I don't <clears> like you know Joey Belladonna or the who was the other one? Um, Neil. Neil. Yeah. Turbin. Neil Turbin. But um, yeah, I think that you said Turbin. <laughs> <laughs> but they just have that classic '80s um, operatic kind of falsetto vocals that just puts them in a specific period of time and maybe that's just the way the songs were written back then too that i'm sure that's a big part of it but um but the john bush um vocals i think it's 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 puts them into a more of a modern era and um a little more of a classic sound i mean not so tied to one specific it's less dated yeah 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 Yeah. no i get you well we've talked about we've talked about this with certainly with metallica we've talked about this with van halen to a point and i'm sure we've talked about it three or four other times on this show is that when a band who's found their sound changes their sound they should change their name they should change their name that's been a that's that's been a suggestion 
Yes. <laughs> so I would I would trend more toward that. This is not Anthrax to me. This uh, you know this is I, an early nineties alternative band. <clears throat> this is this is when they went black album, <laughs> or or load. <clears throat> and and I would agree with you there. This is a very this album is a very different sound. Oh yeah, yeah. You I mean, know, once <clears throat> when they when when John Bush entered the band, um, <clears throat> I mean let's let's obviously Attack of the Killer Bees is a totally like really all over the place kind of album, which is a lot of fun and it, you know it's it's cool for what it is, but I think this. Sound of White Noise when when John Bush is here, it is. It's a very, I think it, I think it leans more to that kind of mainstream hard rock sound more than it does, or what was um, popular at the time, mm-hmm. which was yeah. that sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, more. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the date of nineteen ninety three. Yep, you know this is right after the Black Album of Metallica came out. Mm-hmm. You know we're that that more mainstream hard rock sound gets MTV play, it gets radio play, and uh, and that's I mean it, there's no question that's why this is their quote unquote most popular album, it's their most sold album because it it had it was able to be played on the radio. Well, I think that I has mean, a lot to do with it. That's the pro- one of the problems. Yeah, that's is that this has to do with it's main, it's, a, it's more an mainstream. established genre at this point. Totally established. There, you know, heavier music is mainstream. So I don't think I don't know that this really. I don't know that it's. I don't know. I have difficulty you say it's saying it's a problem. I don't understand why it's a problem. Well, it's a problem. It's no, not no, a no, problem. No, it's a, by saying that, <laughs> that you know this is their most popular record. Is that really true? Is it because of the difference? You know, the time that it came out in. I think if Among the Living had come out <clears throat> at this time, I think it would have been even more popular than The Sound of White Noise. To be honest, I disagree. No, I totally. I disagree think because so. I think mm, I think Among the Living the songs sound. the songs yeah the songs on Among the Living um, would have never gotten the radio play. Oh, I think they would because now. they they don't they, totally. they just don't have that mainstream. I mean, why doesn't which which song gets more radio play? Uh, Enter Sandman or Seek and Destroy? Okay, but I Enter Sandman all day long. I mean, it gets way more radio of play course, because but... Thrash just Thrash does not get the radio play that no, mainstream Indian, I think hard Indians would have totally got the radio play if it had come out in <clears throat> Sound of White Noise. Absolutely, nineteen ninety three. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it would have gotten played right next to and I am the law like, as well. I am the law would have as well. Like I I, de- I totally <clears throat> think they would. I don't know. This album doesn't do it for me. I'm not into this album at all. I don't like this trajectory. I don't like who the band. This to me isn't Anthrax. It's just a different Anthrax. They went in a totally different <clears throat> direction. Fine, great, you whatever. Just call them like armored, armored Anthrax. Yeah, just something. else. That's a bit harsh. Yeah. I think they're. Uh, man. Well, Armored Saint was John. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought you were referring to Saint Anger. Then never mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing's that bad. <laughs> okay, just want to be clear. Yeah. I mean, I respect this album, and you know, and it and it made them. I mean, it really took them, you know, to become a household. I can't fucking speak for some reason. They became a household name after this. Um, I like Joey Belladonna. I happen to me, 
Anthrax isn't Anthrax without Joey Belladonna. That's that's my personal. So you don't like Fistful of Metal? No, I do. No, I do like Fistful of Metal, but I like it because because of its historical (sighs) significance, not because it's a great Anthrax. album? No, I do think it's a great Anthrax album, but I prefer Joey Belladonna. He to me is Anthrax. (laughs) So when I'm, I mean, and and I I prefer Among the Living. That, like I said, that's my favorite album. Um, I don't feel like John Bush is Anthrax to me. All right. Shall we vote? I would say that this is my uh, no. This John is Bush my is third. This would be my third <laughs> favorite Anthrax album. All right. Well, so why don't we take this... our vote? I think we've all weighed in enough. Don't you think? All right. Let's do it. So we're gonna vote one, two, three, like no, first, just second, say third. Who your favorite album is? What, which album is your oh, we, favorite? We can read them in order. Just say what our yeah, favorite I mean, is. And this is different because right. there's right. three. Right. There's three albums. Okay. Rank them. Rank them one, two, and three. All right. Who wants? Ladies first. No, I'm going last. Okay, <laughs> ladies last. That's what I said. I don't know if it <laughs> came out wrong. I mean, I clearly said ladies last. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if no Ed, one wants to go, then you? I'll go. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to go Sound of White Noise as my number one. And this is going to be a reverse chronological order. Chronological. Chronological order. <laughs> <laughs> and reverse then we'll go Among order. the Living as my number two. And then Fistful of Metal as my number three. Okay. That's my exact same order. I'm right. I'm right with that on that one. Shocking. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, among the living is number one. A distant number two is fistful of metal, and then sound of shit. I mean, sound of <laughs> white noise is number three. Way at the bottom, down by my feet. Okay, so then I, yeah, I'm right there with Matt. Among the Living, number one. <laughs> so wait, so we have a tie Fist with a guy we're even going to talk about. <laughs> and then White <laughs> Crapola is number three. <laughs> so we have a tie with Again. an album Jeez, that we weren't that never even going to talk about. Show. <laughs> we weren't even going to talk about it earlier today. Oh my god. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all folks. viewers or listeners, so, I should say. Yeah. So you know what that means. <laughs> we gotta go. To Which the is funny group. because <clears throat> if if you remove sounds of white noise, then we're unanimous. Yes, we are. Hey, how are we unanimous? Oh, that's true. Oh. We are. Yeah. All right, oh so yeah, that's true. Let's remove sound. I guess we need. I guess we need some drama. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it has to go to the poll now. It has to go to our Facebook poll. We have no choice. That's what we do. Okay, well, shall we talk about the previous Facebook poll? I was just going to say, did we... I think we're still in a tie, are we not? We're still in a tie between... Oh, my fuck. This is the Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger, and Super Unknown. That's incredible. Still in a tie amongst us and our listeners. (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> All right. Should we take it to Instagram? 
do an Instagram uh, yes, story poll. We need we need to do an Instagram story <laughs> yeah. poll. Let's try to break yes. that tie so that we can update the listeners for either next Monday for news or next Wednesday. Okay. And uh, we're gonna have to. I mean, come on, guys, help us out with anthrax here. We gotta toss it into the bigger <laughs> pool here. Yeah. Instagram. Knowing our group, I think it's gonna be a landslide. I think so too. Just saying. I think so too. Yeah. I think you're right. <clears throat> yeah. Now. What if, hypothetically... Oh, boy. Okay, because, I mean, it sounds like... I I feel like... Okay. So, minus... The white noise is is interesting because otherwise, I really like... I like the latter Joey Belladonna stuff. I don't necessarily... There's something about the... You know, that like I said, that falsetto range, whatever... But like persons of time and uh, for all kings or whatever, both those albums are Joey Belladonna and they're awesome. They're great albums. I actually really, I really enjoy them. I would listen to those two albums intentionally. I wouldn't listen to the other ones intentionally. Would you guys? Where would you put? Would you put those in there at all? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I will. I'll say they're solid, but they don't touch to me. They don't touch among the living. Absolutely, Sorry. absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yep. So uh, there tells me it. I would probably be with you, Jake. Oh Christ! <laughs> 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 All right, let's wrap this shit up, shall we? Let's put a bow on it. Let's do it. Alright guys, if you enjoyed this discussion in this show, we ask you to please join us next week, and thanks for being with us, Matt. And to all of our listeners, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. I think Ed's going to put that, um, that story up with Soundgarden, so please sound off on that. We need a winner. Badly, please. Uh, please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. Please feel free to do the same on our Facebook page. Search Metal Rock and Whiskey and ask to join to continue discussions. Participate in weekly polls and sound off on the show in general. Find us on YouTube and please subscribe on iTunes. Give a review. Do not be a dick. Give us that five-star rating. Don't be a dick. You can also follow... Don't be a dick. <laughs> Don't be a dickle. Uh, you can also, <laughs> or knob. You can also follow us individually <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Yours truly at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Ed. You can always find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Jake. You can find me at Bourbon Spartan on Instagram. You can also find our Patreon at patreon.com slash metal rock whiskey. And, uh, Sailor? I'm Sailor Retro. (laughs) And that's all you really need to know. (laughs) Okay. She is everywhere. You can find me on the internet, says Sailor Retro. On the internet. The internet. Well, this was a, this was a great discussion. Um, you know, we had a, a super in-depth whiskey discussion today which was yes, awesome we did. and uh you know we had a very much in-depth 
band, you know, discussion about a band that's uh, very much at the forefront of of metal history. So um, maybe it went a little bit longer than our normal episode, but hopefully it was very much worth it. And I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed it. But now my glass is empty. Tip your waitress. We are out. Fuck you, Lars. Later, everyone. Nice fucking life. <laughs> <laughs>